God is the wind has been blowing through our region these last couple of days and especially this morning. We ask and invite you to blow through this sanctuary and through our body with your wind or spirit, Numa. Go where you want, do what you want, be among us, stir us, in some cases awaken us to your goodness and your beauty and your power and your love. Through your words, speak to us grace and truth. Help us to be attentive. Give us eyes that are good to see and ears that are good to hear and hearts that are receptive soil for whatever you may plant. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate or are inconsistent with your word in any way, may they be quickly and forever forgotten. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to begin this morning. Usually we try to begin with Scripture. We're people who are grounded in Scripture, the Word of God. I just want to begin before we get there this morning with a quote from one of my favorite authors, kind of a 35,000-foot view or sort of bigger than that, sort of miles out in the sky, uh, global universal perspective. Uh, he writes, The aim of God in history, so no small thing, the aim of God in history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with God himself at the very center of this community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. It's kind of random, but I like it. The aim of God in history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with God himself at the very center of this community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. And now listen closely as I read from the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, kind of a seminal passage, that you, one of those that you've got to know, uh, beginning at chapter 12, verse 1. Listen closely. This is the Word of God. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's kind of a seminal little passage there early in Genesis. Now I want to jump to Genesis chapter 15, three verses, three chapters later. Then the word of the Lord came to this same person, Abram. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. The Lord says to Abram. The Lord took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. And then in chapter 26 of Genesis, God made essentially the same promise to God's, to Abram's covenant son, Isaac. Uh, God reaffirmed this promise that through him and through him and through them and through them, God was building this great family for himself all over the world. And he would be its most glorious inhabitant. 
Fast forward uh, now several books and hundreds of years to the book of Deuteronomy, kind of a core part of the what's called the book of the law or the books of Moses or the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. Uh, another core, core, core seminal section of scripture that again, if you could only know 10 chapters of the Bible, this would probably need to be one of them, at least historically. Uh, chapter six, God has brought his people, the descendants of Abram and Isaac, out of slavery in Egypt into the land of flowing with milk and honey that he promised, and God has given them to the law to guide them in their life together. And a core part of that law, Deuteronomy, the best known verses of which are in chapter six, uh, were uh, recited by good and faithful Jewish people every morning when they got up and every evening before they went to bed. Uh, and this particular passage or verses in chapter six of Deuteronomy uh, go like this. Listen closely. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach to you, uh, teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. These laws are for your goodness, for your well-being. And so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, lots of grace, just as the Lord your God, the, the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. This is sort of the chief of the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on, to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children, on their hearts as well. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, constantly. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates everywhere. Impress them on your children. And of course, not all of the people of Israel, the people who were hearing Moses' words, God's words through Moses, had children. Some would never have children of their own. Some had had children many, many, many years before, and their children were now adults. So they didn't all have children, but the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the congregation of Israel, the family of Israel had lots of children. And this charge from God through Moses was very much for all of them, whether a person would ever have children or not, or whether a person had grown children. Regardless, it was for all of them a command impress these laws and this way and this life upon the community's children, on the nation's children. And that is what they did. And though we are not them, Jewish people, people of Israel, coming out of slavery in Egypt, into the wilderness for 40 years, and then into the promised land flowing with milk and honey, though we are not them, God's promises have not changed, and we are included in that big family of God. And God's imperative with regard to children, in other words, the next generation, remains incumbent upon us. That command has not changed. It applies also to us. Impress these things, all of these things, and especially at the core, a love for God. Impress these things on your children. 
And maybe now more than ever because while God's nature and character and truth have not changed, our world has changed very much so. Very much so. The world in which today's generation of children and youth are growing up is arguably more complex and more difficult to navigate than the world in which these words were originally written and given by Moses and the world in which you and I grew up. Despite the many advances in technology and in some cases because of that technology and advances and such. I wrote in my pastor's report, maybe some of you have read it, maybe some of you never will, for the annual celebration about the changing world that we live in and how radically it has changed, particularly with regard to our faith and the culture's faith or lack thereof over the last five years. Over the last five years, the number of people who self-report or identify themselves as none, have no religious affiliation or interest. It's just going through the roof. The number of people who are young people who are participating in institutions and our whole culture's faith in institutions, the institutions that have been the bedrock and the foundation and the pillars of our society for hundreds of years, people's confidence in institutions, including the church, among which is the church, maybe largely, which is the church, continued to drop our, con our confidence in institutions. There was another study that was done that I, I added the link for that shows that the trustworthiness or the perceived trustworthiness, rather, of pastors and clergy has just plummeted over the last five years. And we can, there are a lot of reasons for that. But our world has changed, is changing, continues to change, and at an exponential pace, the world in which our children are growing up. And all of this helps explain and justify why one of our church's stated values is pouring into the next generation intentionally, intentionally, which we are talking about this morning as we continue this series through our five values. I remember more than 20 years ago when my and Karen's first child was an infant and toddler, how tempting it was to, when we got busy, to just sit him down in front of the TV. And, and on top of the TV was something called a VCR. <laughs> and to slide into the VCR, which was connected to the TV, a baby Einstein video and let the technology babysit our kid for 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes while Karen and I did other things, focused on other things, which as it turns out later on, some research has actually shown that such can be detrimental to children's well-being despite the marketer's clever renaming or naming of their products and after the obviously brilliant Albert Einstein. There's a lot of irony there. I read and uh, heard through the movie The Social Dilemma that I'm not, I may not get these numbers right, but the average kid by the time he reaches or she reaches the age of 18 has seen something like 10,000 murders on television and movies. 
the average boy in our society, by the time he gets to age 25, young man by that point, has played 32,000 hours of video games. It's remarkable, it's stunning, it's shocking. For all of these reasons and many more, in other words, going all the way back to Genesis, but also considering that God's people have always been a set-apart people and a called-out people and an in-the-world-but-not-of-the-world people and Jesus' obvious affinity for even children. For all of these reasons and more, God has called us as a congregation not to just sprinkle, sprinkle into the lives of the next generation periodically, but instead, as our values said, to pour, to pour into, and to continue to pour into the next generation, abundantly, generously, relentlessly, passionately, intentionally, to pour grace and truth, to pour time and love, to pour guidance and guardrails, to pour mercy and patience and wisdom and presence and most of all, Jesus. That is what they need, not in small little amounts here and there, but abundantly. According to the Barner Research Group, 94% of Americans who identify themselves as Christians, came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18. 94% before the age of 18. And so God has called us to pour into young people's lives when they are infants, when they are toddlers, when they are in preschool, in elementary school, in middle school, in high school. How many of us, at some stage of our childhood, were poured into either by the church or a Christian community or a follower of Jesus. How many of us in our lives were, go ahead, raise your hands if that's you. How many of you were poured into by the church or by a Christian community or by a follower of Jesus? Impress these things upon your children. If you're like me, the people who poured into my life when I was young were not only influential, but God used them to be transformational. Impress these things upon your children. And your children is not just your household, your biological children. It's the community's children. Uh, so uh, I want to do a show of hands on a couple of things. Many of you have uh, poured into and impressed upon and been a part of that whole enterprise through the church, a church, some church, maybe this church. So raise your hand if you have ever served in a church's nursery. Raise your hand if you have ever taught Sunday school to children or youth of any age. A lot of you. Raise your hand if you have ever volunteered in youth ministry. Yeah, a lot of weary looking people there raising their hands. Yeah. Raise your hand if you've ever been a leader on a youth mission trip. Number of you. Raise your hand if you've ever been a mentor for a confirmation class student. That's really beautiful. 
So I want to invite uh, up to the platform now five people among the many of you, just for fun, who are, for me, in uh, many ways, superheroes. So they're going to come on up and sit in these five chairs. They have been key leaders directly working with youth, hands-on, face-to-face, kindergarten through fifth grade in our Kingdom Club ministry on Wednesday evenings for at least 15 years straight, all of them for at least 15 years. How do I know? Because we arrived about 15 and a half years ago as a family, and all four of my kids have been through Kingdom Club under all of their leadership and devotion. So uh, I'm going to get out of the way. Did we show the superhero slide? Oh, yeah. That was just for fun. I don't know where I dug that one up. So um, lots of people have been involved. Like Kingdom Club takes a ton of people uh, to make it happen, and some have served for many years. The five of you have just been a part of it for five years, 15 years, and really hands-on interacting with the kids every week, week after week after week. Uh, For those who don't know, Gladys, would you say just a couple of words about what Kingdom Club is? Keep trying. No. Yes. Yes. Am I on? I can't tell. These are fancy. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Kingdom Club, and I think it's actually we're in the 27th year of Kingdom Club. It's a program that's been going on for 27 years. Lois and Walter have actually been part of that, and Melissa, I think, since day one, so (laughs) longer than uh, Christy and I. So it's a place for kids to come during the school year, September to December and January to May, to enjoy dinner, enjoy fun games and fellowship, uh, learn some music, participate in a musical that is uh, based and grounded in God's Word, uh, learn a lot of songs and scripture in Bible and crafts and and be loved. Mm. And I think, I think you were doing some math yesterday. How many, do you can take a guess or stab at how many kids have been through Kingdom Club either for a semester or the whole six years? Yeah, I, I really tried to some algebraic equations on this and it's, <laughs> that's really tough. But so I would say between three and five that's a really rough estimate, but kids come and are there from grade. Some continue on as student leaders in the program. So some are in and out for maybe one semester. So do you think that's a fair assessment? I, Who knows? Who knows? All right. So here's a, a question for all of you. How have you observed the ministry of Kingdom Club impacting kids' lives, either in general, as a community, as families? How have you seen... Uh, the Ministry of Kingdom Club over those many years uh, impacting, and maybe you've got a particular story or just kind of general observations, any of you? Well, we've seen the, Melissa and I do the music portion uh, of the musicals, and it's amazing to see kids who come in as kindergartners who, uh, you know, are like, I don't even want to be up on the platform. I don't want to sing. And by fifth grade, they are uh, having a speaking part and a singing solo and love that. And for some of those kids, go on in junior high and high school and having the confidence to be part of their uh, programs at school that they might not have ever 
considered being, um, you know, a part of that. Um, and that's just a really rewarding part of it. Program actually began. need in the community and I think uh, studies have shown that those kinds of programs really do build confidence in children and so to see a child come in that does not want to do any kind of public speaking or singing to a few years later have the confidence to run for class president uh, is pretty pretty remarkable. I think with children's ministry um, you don't don't necessarily ever know what your impact was. Um, we have, you know, kids. We have kids that are part of this church that come. We have kids that are part of other churches, and we have a lot of kids that are just in the community who come with friends and then love it and stay. And um, so we don't we don't know their families. We don't know what happens to them. Um, I mean, we do have a lot of great stories about kids um, who have come through Kingdom Club and you know come back later and told us what an impact it was on them. Or we've seen kids go into ministry or or just live out their faith in a lot of ways. Um, but with kids ministry, we just don't always know. And so um, it's just sort of an act of obedience to, to plant the seeds and it's up to God to grow them. Absolutely. I will say it is encouraging. We do get to know these kids, especially if they come through and, you know, for a few years or throughout, you know, those six years that's possible. We get to know them, and for some of them, we get to know kind of what's going on in their families. And um, it is very encouraging to then see later um, that this time of Kingdom Club, their time in Kingdom Club was foundational for them in terms of experiencing the love of Jesus um, in tangible ways. And we've seen that in terms of, like what Lois said, in terms of some kids go on into ministry or, or, or are become, you know, their lives are, you know, where they love Jesus and demonstrate that in things that they do in their lives. We also see it actually in the confirmation program, which you alluded to, where in that program, students have an opportunity to give a statement of faith, which I think we all should do. Right, but these students in eighth grade and above are actually trying to figure out or trying to write down what they believe and why they believe it. And it's so encouraging for me to hear, it's my favorite time of year to hear these statements and to hear many of those students who have gone through Kingdom Club to say that time at Kingdom Club was foundational in experiencing Jesus and then now in youth ministry, they're building on that foundation. It's very encouraging. Well, and as Gladys said, all of the musicals are scripture-based, foundational. And um, what's great is, although they're also learning the verses during Bible and craft time, during music time, we're learning them in song. And I don't know about for any of you, but for me, it's so much easier to learn things through a song. And for the kids to be able to pull up these truths um, and have them 
to fall back on in a fun way with doing motions. Well, for me, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a Kingdom Club song going through my head, it's like, oh yeah, that's a truth. Just even this week um, during Kingdom Club, we were singing a song and it, the words were, I will trust in you, I'll say you are my God, my life is in your hands. And it was at a time when I was just feeling a little challenged. And it's like, oh, yes, yes. And if the kids can have those truths to fall back on, I mean, what a blessing. There's, a, there's an ancient uh, rabbinic proverb that says, uh, the one who sings once prays twice. About a family that she had invited to Kingdom Club, and they just came for one semester, and it's a family that uh, has another faith uh, that they follow, um, and these children are still listening to their Kingdom Club CD that they often still ask uh, to listen to that. So uh, God uses a lot of different ways to... And I do remember, uh, there are so many times when you see an aha moment for a child when uh, we're talking in Bible and crafts and they kind of get that, you know, God and science don't necessarily have to be in conflict, that there, there's, which is kind of what they hear sometimes. And so uh, it's just, they're just so happy to know that. And, or a child that maybe uh, has, uh, challenges in the public school system and, and maybe is, is a little, has some difficulty with that. And, you know, you see their parent after uh, Kingdom Club is over and you're like, oh, can I talk to you for a minute? And they're just, their face falls because they think that I'm going to tell them, you know, how their child's misbehaved or, you know, what they need to talk to their child about that night. And just to go up to them and go, wow, when your child was worshiping tonight, just the beauty on their face, their, just their whole countenance was just so beautiful. And you know, the, the parent gets tears in their eyes to know that their child was loved here, that their child's accepted here, that um, is, is a really beautiful thing. Mm, that's neat. Um, Kingdom Club, not just a ministry to kids, but to families and parents. Uh, flip the script. How has uh, being a part of Kingdom Club ministry for 15 to 27 years, whatever the case may be, uh, how has that impacted your life, each of your lives? Well, I actually started Kingdom Club in the kitchen. I was the lead cook, which is rather ironic because I don't cook at home at all. But I can put, you know, bagel bites in an oven. Um, so I did that for 10 years, 8 to 10 years. And it wasn't until the prior directors were moving on that I was, Gladys invited me um, to take on the music portion of Kingdom Club. And I'd always loved singing. I'd always, you know, loved kids and being part of kids' musicals, but I had zero training to do anything like that. But God is so good and gave me that opportunity and just has blessed me incredibly over the years to be part of that and to be able to use and grow my gifts in that area, gifts I didn't even realize I had, but he did. I guess I would say two things briefly. Uh, one is that um, 
my day job is stressful and intense, and there's nothing like coming in the middle of the week to Kingdom Club and getting to play with kids. It's just fun. Uh, the second thing is I love the opportunity to build relationships with these kids. Many of these kids have so much fun that they come back when they graduate out as student leaders. And so then they get to work with these youth as student leaders and to have that relationship with them is just awesome. Because it's at that time in, in their youth years where they maybe start questioning and they're, they're really trying to identify what is it that I believe. And um, so having that relationship with them allows me to, the freedom, because they know who I am. They know they can trust me and we have relationship. And if they're questioning things, they can be honest and transparent and I can speak into their lives at that point too. I think for me, like Melissa said, the amount of scripture that is now in my head as someone who is not great at memorizing scripture or memorizing really anything, uh, but nine times out of 10, if we're reading a passage, I'm singing the music. And I know that several of the kids who are here today sang part of the scripture that Shannon read, uh, read earlier because that would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Um, and so I think just having that scripture in my head uh, to uh, have in, like Melissa said, times of trouble, times of joy, uh, to always have that readily accessible, and especially at 2 a.m. when it's all that goes through your head. So, yeah. When we named Kingdom Club, it was because we wanted kids to have a place where they experienced the kingdom of God. And you've taught a lot about the kingdom of God, and uh, it is where God is present. And so um, it's just a, it's such a privilege to come every week. Um, sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes I'm tired and I uh, would rather be doing other things, but, um, but it's such a privilege to come and to try to um, let God pour through me uh, an experience of the kingdom of God for a couple of hours for these kids. You know, like you said, they come from some hard places. They come from stressful days too. And um, if we can help them for two hours uh, to experience the love and the grace and the generosity of God, um, it's just, it's an amazing privilege. And, it, and it's an act of obedience for me and it's an act of, um, God does things in my heart uh, and reminds me of the, the enormous grace he's poured out on me. So it's a great reminder during the middle of the week. Awesome. Is there room and are there ways for other people besides the five of you and those who are currently serving in the kitchen and period, is there, are there other ways for people to be involved today or going forward? I, you're young, I mean, you're a young group. <laughs> But I don't know if you've got another 15 or 20 years in you for Kingdom Club yeah. at some point. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I think it's so exciting. I mean, we, we love Kingdom Club. We, there's no other place uh, that we'd rather be on Wednesday, light, Wednesday nights. Um, but it is so beautiful when other people come and bring their gifts. Um, Laurel is a perfect example of, you know, usually when the kindergarten and first graders come into Bible and crafts, it's just chaos. You're herding cats. Everybody's talking. No one wants to sit down. They've just come from games. They're wild and crazy. And you're like, 
oh, you know, King of Club Kids Rock, remember to listen. And Laurel just comes in with her guitar and just does one strum, and they're like, quiet and ready. So it's just, uh, we need that. It's like, oh, we were the problem. Okay, <laughs> great to know. Um, Jomo has been helping us, and those fourth grade boys, it's BNC is completely different because they've got... Uh, Jomo, this uh, big guy in there, you know, they're like, okay, all right, calm down. And, um, and just others, Dave with the student leaders, uh, coming and meeting uh, with the student leaders prior to um, them serving in Kingdom Club. He's their, per he's their person. They love connecting with him. He's with them in games. And uh, the people in the kitchen that come out and, and love the kids, Marilyn, who's there, um, uh, just they love uh, those people. As Steve Wilson has been organizing uh, people that do the kitchen duty, that do the dishes, and all the, those are critical, important pieces. Stephen with uh, sound and uh, technology and, and so there are things out. to do. There's total things hey. to do. Marcy with costumes and table hosting, and um, it can seem like you know as there's small and big ways that. Uh, you can participate and bless a child because, you know, people have different personalities. There's different ways to interact with people. And so the more people we have serving and loving kids, the more uh, children are going to connect with someone that can really know them and show them the love that they, that they need. And even if they're not available, if you're not available on Wednesday, I know for the musicals, we're always in need of people to help with sets, on your own time, costumes. We had Ginny Vergara and Pat Hunter and other members of the quilters have made costumes for us. So there are lots of ways to serve. That's neat. Uh, I found it interesting that you talked about Jomo's imposing presence. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the gift he brings? Uh, no, but he's uh, I see a lot of people who could also do that here this morning. Being an imposing too, presence so. to fourth grade boys. Sorry, Maybe that's what you need. Great. Uh, one more photo uh, up on the screen. Bam. That's a ton of kids. That's from a number of years ago. Uh, that's a ton of kids. And there aren't that many kids in Kingdom Club right now. It's been an interesting five years, among There's other 65. things. 65. Uh, but there are a ton of kids in our community, in our neighborhood. There remain a ton of kids out there. And we talk, uh, Luke Heron talked last week about unreached people groups. And when we talk about unreached people groups, we almost always talk about people in distant and remote places and countries around the world. But there is an unreached people group right in our community. And it's the next generation of kids who are growing up in a post-Christian world, not like the world that most of us grew up in. And in many ways, they are unreached. And uh, Dr. Luke finished last week by quoting Jesus, quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Your feet are all beautiful, and so are those of the volunteers, the other folks who are working in the kitchen and here and there. And uh, I think God has called us not only to the far away unreached peoples, but also those right here with his good news. Thank you all for you and for uh, what you do and what you've done. So some of you may be saying, uh, 
working with kids is not my gift. Um, fine. Uh, Steve Wilson will line you up uh, to wash dishes. Uh, you can see Steve this morning, and he will be glad to do that, as these men have done and one is still doing periodically over the years. You may think uh, I am too old uh, to work with rambunctious uh, kindergartners and fourth grade boys. And to that, I would give you Exhibit A, Marilyn Moore, who is among the most, I'll say this delicately, chronologically mature <laughs> member of our congregation. And yet, it is her joy to serve in Kingdom Club every Wednesday evening in the kitchen. So uh, be encouraged. Uh, you may say, I don't do diapers. You may, you know, when it comes, there are no diapers at Kingdom Club, but on nursery and, and uh, on Sunday mornings, I don't do diapers. Let me just say a couple of things. If you're young, there's nothing that makes you quite as attractive to someone of the opposite uh, sex than the ability uh, and to be proficient at changing diapers, because the day will come. If you need retraining as a grandparent or as a prospective grandparent, Again, free training, Kingdom Club, free training Sunday morning. Gladys and her team will be uh, glad to show you how to change diapers. Uh, Lois referenced, uh, talked about sowing seeds. And I know, we know that a lot of the seeds that are sown among young people uh, don't uh, in the long run seem to bear fruit. Uh, some of them get uh, caught up in rocky soil and thorns and distractions along the way. But God has called us, and Jesus tells this parable in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to just cast seeds liberally and generously and intentionally and sow and sow and sow. And we don't know what those planted seeds will do. And it's really not our job how uh, to determine their outcome years down the road. Our calling as individuals, as followers of Jesus, and as a congregation is to just sow the seeds, sow the seeds, sow the seeds among the next generation and trust that God will do with and among them and for them what God wills. Let's pray. God, make us more and more each uh, day and each week and each year a community of people and individuals who take seriously your admonition, your call, your encouragement, your command to impress upon our children and others' children and the next generation of children and our community's children and our neighborhood's young people the love that you have for the world and the call to love you and to follow your beloved son, Jesus. Empower us for that work, that good and important and high calling. Again, as individuals, as there are opportunities and as a community, give us the resources that we need, the will, the vision, the intention, and the means. We thank you for your goodness to us and for the opportunities to have been a part of all of these ministries in the past bring about things for your glory in the future. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.